Welcome to the Old Time Radio Daily Westerns. I'm your host, Andrew Rines, and today is, well, today's the 400th episode of this show. I've actually produced 400 episodes, bringing you a show every single day. doesn't even count membership shows because I put those as a sub-show, so they don't even count towards the regular feed numbers. So I want to thank everybody. Uh, coming up on almost a year, uh, the 25th, I think, is my official year without doing all crazy math. I do believe 25th of October was my very first episode. So thank you everybody who has been listening for the last year and all new people, welcome also. I've got something special for you guys today. I found something that NPR had done. Now normally I'm not a big fan of NPR only because they're very mono in the way they talk. But it was cool because it's from and about the Lone Ranger. So this originally aired January 14th of 2008, and it's an NPR special, and it's called The Lone Ranger, Justice from the Outside of the Law. And it's about 12 minutes, and it's really cool because they go into a lot of the history, a lot of the information, and they've got interviews with uh, the son of the writer and, and creator of The Lone Ranger. So this is my 400th episode. I want to say thank you, everybody. Uh, Make sure you did download all the other episodes from today because I'm putting this out on Wednesday, the 20th of uh, October. So there should be about three other episodes. So this is going to count towards, uh, obviously, number 400. And I think that's it. Let's get into today's episode. Like I said, it's an NPR special. If you'd like uh, to find out more about this, there's a huge article write-up. Go to otrwesterns.com, look at today's show notes page, and you'll actually see a link to the NPR um, page. I don't want to give you the huge URL, but definitely take a look and enjoy. Thank you again. Thanks again for being a listener, and let's get into today's episode. From NPR News, this is All Things Considered. I'm Robert Siegel. And I'm Melissa Block. What's up, Doc? Mr. Grant. It was a sin to kill a mockingbird. Fiddle I am the father. This month, NPR is launching In Character, a new series exploring the origins and impact of great American fictional characters. Well, today, a character who's celebrating his 75th anniversary this month. Look up there at the head wall. In 1874... Six Texas Rangers were betrayed by a guide and ambushed at Bryant's Gap. It's an ambush, men. Start out and find cover, quick! Riding on the canyon floor, they came under rifle fire from a gang of outlaws on the cliffs above. Five died, and the sixth was left for dead and would have died that day, but for an amazing coincidence. 
After the shooting was over, an Indian man happened upon the scene of the ambush. I still mean not hurt you. The ranger who was wounded but still clinging to life had saved that Indian from outlaw raiders a few years earlier when the two were just boys. Why, you, you, Kimo Sabe. Kimo Sabe? That sounds familiar. The Indian recognized his boyhood companion, carried him to a nearby cave, and nursed him back to health. The other rangers, Tato, all dead? Mm. Including well, Captain um, Dan Reed, Captain the ranger's own brother. The Indian did the subtraction. You all alone now, last man. You are a lone ranger. Yes, Tano. I am a lone ranger. The Lone Ranger! He has been the Lone Ranger ever since. On radio, in movies, in novels, on television, in comic books. Over the 75 years since he first hit the airwaves, his story has been embroidered, embellished, and rewritten. But he always wore a mask, he always pursued justice, and he never accepted praise or payment. Are you well, my name is Fran Stryker Jr., and my father's name was Fran Stryker, and he was the creator and author of The Lone Ranger. In 1933, Fran Stryker, a self-described hack writer, was in Buffalo, New York, writing radio scripts for, among other stations, WXYZ in Detroit. And they were buying five programs a week from him. Some of them were a mystery series. Some of them were Secret Service series. And the owner of WXYZ, George Trendle, wanted a Western. Fran Stryker started writing, and over the course of a dozen episodes, a character took shape, a paragon of virtue. I'll shoot the wound, not the kill. A man must die. It's up to the law to decide that. Not the person behind a six-shooter. That's right, Kimo. May I uh, offer you gentlemen a drink? No, thanks. man drinks that kind of medicine to forget something he doesn't want to remember. The Lone Ranger always used dead-on perfect English. That's what George Trundle read the scripts for. He didn't even have a hint of a Texas accent about him as he spoke. Well, nobody's been west of Buffalo or Detroit either. Who's there? Open the door, Sheriff. A mask man. Back inside. You've got a lot of nerve. Don't make a move for your guns. What do you want? My name is Gary Hoppenstand, and I am a professor of American studies who specializes in popular culture studies. And I am also currently editor of the Journal of Popular Culture, which is the largest scholarly journal of its type in the world. Professor Hoppenstand ranks the Lone Ranger among a handful of important iconic figures in American popular culture. A vigilante lawman who protects the criminal justice system by working outside it. A hero made for radio audiences of the Great Depression. I reckon we ain't no choice but to sell out to this pole cat and try and find new digging somewhere. $150 is a lot of cash, Jim. Don't you take it, Jim. What'll we do when the $150 is gone? We won't have nothing there, not even this house in the clean. In the 1930s, the perception was that there was a failure of government to protect the American people, and so this was a character, masked who used vigilante techniques to basically protect those who can't help themselves. And so this was a character who found a decided audience experiencing those kinds of things in their daily lives while also having that wonderful escapist enjoyment as well. Well, Lone Ranger and Tonto... They're riding down the line, fixing everybody's troubles, everybody's set mine. For the first ten episodes of The Lone Ranger, the ranger actually rode alone. This was before they cooked up the backstory of the ambush at Bryant's Gap. As writer Fran Stryker told his son Fran Jr., 
that posed a problem for creating dialogue. The problem being that the Lone Ranger had nobody to talk to if he was a Lone Ranger. So they suggested that they create a sidekick for the Lone Ranger. Script 11 introduced Tonto, and he was developed solely for the purpose of giving the Lone Ranger somebody to talk to. All right, Tonto. You'll be a lot of help. We'll ride together. Me glad, Kimosabi. Me fight good for you. Take cover, Tonto. I always looked at the Lone Ranger as like your idealized white man, and Tonto as your idealized Native American. Writer Mark Ellis compiled a fictional timeline of the Lone Ranger's life. As a kid, my idea of a Native American was based on basically Tonto, who was a good person. He was uh, very moral. He was very smart, even if he spoke rather broken English. Me call you Kimosabe. It mean trusty scout. If the Lone Ranger accepts the Indian as his closest companion, it's obvious to the child listener that great men have no racial or religious prejudice. Fran Stryker Jr. says in all the Lone Ranger episodes, there is never a disparaging word about any minority group. Of course, what had sufficed as racial equality in 1933 could easily provoke cynicism by the time the show was on television in the 1950s or in reruns in the 60s. Again, Mark Ellis. Bill Cosby used to do a routine where he could never understand why Lone Ranger would always send Tonto in the town for supplies and then would get beaten up. And I'd always holler in the radio, Tonto, don't go to town. You know, they're going to beat you up again, man. You know, just one time. Tonto, yes, Kimosabe, you go to town. You go to hell, And they say you don't tug on Superman's cape. You don't spit into the wind. You don't pull a mask off that old Lone Ranger. And you don't mess around with Jim. I don't do that. I'll hide my identity somehow. You mean like mask? That's it, Tonto. From now on, I'll wear a mask. Why the mask? Well, the idea was that the Butch Cavendish gang, the bad guys who had killed his comrades in the ambush, shouldn't know that one of them had survived and was out to seek revenge. And in order to keep his uh, identity secret, he uh, used a mask and never used his name so he could go after the gang. And uh, the mask, as the legend goes, was cut from his dead brother's vest. That's Terry Salmonson, lifelong fan and collector of Lone Ranger memorabilia. Of course, that doesn't explain why he always wore the mask, even when he and Tonto were riding alone across the Texas wilderness. Over caution. Over caution. No one is going to know I'm alive. I'm supposed to be dead, and I'm going to stay that way. He wears a mask that is the very symbol of the outlaws that the Lone Rangers go after. Professor Gary Hoppenstand. I think what it plays into is the audience's sense of escapist fantasy. The idea is that in their imagination, all they need to do is don their own mask, and they too could have these sort of grand and exciting adventures where they're doing exciting and good things. So who actually knew the Lone Ranger's face? Well, his nephew did, and of course Tonto did, and this may be surprising, but President Ulysses S. Grant did. Mr. President, who are you? Who let you come in here with that mask on your face? Take it off if you want to speak to me. Terry Salmonson explains this encounter. President Grant summoned him to a railroad siding in St. Louis because of the actions of a particular group of individuals that were trying to carve out their own country, so to speak, in the West. And that started off a 64-episode series entitled The Legion of the Black Arrow. And President Grant requested that the Lone Ranger come in for a meeting to say, is there something we can do and how can you fight against it? 
there. You know, your face is just what I thought it would be. What I hoped it would be. Thank you, sir. The Lone Ranger was a patriot. In real life, too. Again, Fran Stryker, Jr., son of the writer. Interestingly, during World War II, my father was called to Washington by the War Department, and they had a favor. He had a number of ranger programs where the Lone Ranger would help the cavalry out at the end of the program. And the War Department thought that it would be nice if the cavalry could help the Lone Ranger out. <laughs> and this was their PR effort for the year, I guess. And Dad said, of course. The Adventure of Lone Ranger and Tonto, that most hideous rider. I don't feel away. Something else about the Lone Ranger, he rode a white stallion named Silver, and his six-shooter fired silver bullets. Gotta love the silver bullets. The silver bullets are genius. That's novelist Michael Chabon. Silver bullets will serve as sort of a symbol. Tonto suggested the idea. A symbol which means justice by law. It didn't hurt that the Lone Ranger had inherited a silver mine. Writer Mark Ellis says these props were designed to be indelible in the mind's eye. The silver bullets, the mask, and the white stallion silver, those were what was known, I guess, in the old days of radio as shiny things for the mind so that the imagination could latch on to and made it easier to uh, visualize the characters and the places. And people did. Time was, kids had Lone Ranger rings, hats, masks, Lone Ranger giveaways from cereal boxes. Novelist Michael Chabon says the charm still works. My four-year-old son and I just stumbled upon some books we have from the 1950s. We have two Lone Ranger golden books. And my son was just immediately wrapped. I mean, there's something about the mask and the hat and the horse and the silver bullets and the faithful Indian friend. And th there's something really powerful there in that character. I mean, it, there, there's some reason why the Lone Ranger continues to endure, even though he's far less visible now than he once was. We never dreamed that this would become a legend when we were doing the show. Fred Foy is 86. In 1948, he got the job at WXYZ in Detroit to be the announcer on the Lone Ranger, and he filled the same job on the TV show that followed. And it's so beautiful to know that you uh, had so many people who sat back and enjoyed your work, and uh, I'm very flattered to hear that. I was wondering if you could give us, up in the clear, a rendering of the opening. The opening. Yes. Okay, uh, and that includes the uh, all of it. <laughs> all right, let's see what happens here. <coughs> a fiery horse with a speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty Hyo Silver, the Lone Ranger. With his faithful Indian companion Tonto, the daring and resourceful masked rider of the plains led the fight for law and order in the early western United States. Nowhere in the pages of history can one find a greater champion of justice. Return with us now to those thrilling days of yesteryear. From out of the past comes the thundering hoofbeats of the great horse Silver. The Lone Ranger rides again. Hi-yo, Silver! Hi! You, you have the magical power to make people feel they're five years old once again. So. Oh, well, thank you. The Lone Ranger, in character, for 75 years. This is Robert Siegel. You're listening to All Things Considered from NPR News.
Welcome back. I hope you guys enjoyed this special 400th episode. Again, thanks for listening. This is why I got into old-time radio, was the Lone Ranger. Uh, 30 years on the radio is just remarkable. Uh, there's even a new movie going to be coming out, and hopefully they don't star Johnny Depp as Tondo, because I just don't see Johnny Depp as being Tondo, but we're not going to get to that political part of that. Anyways, so thank you again. Check out more information about the show, otrwesterns.com. Send me an email about anything old-time radio if you got a comment, question, concern, anything. I may not read them on the air anymore just because why, you know, if you guys send me an email, it's generally, hey, have a good, doing a good job. I don't need to put all that on there. If you call and leave me a voicemail, generally I will post those on the shows because that's kind of cool to do. If you do want to call and leave me a voicemail, it's 707-98-OTRDW. Again, that's 707-986-8739. Uh, send me an email, podcast at otrwesterns.com. And for anything else, go to otrwesterns.com, and you'll see all the information there. Again, thank you to all my members. They do help support the show. And if you are planning on doing anything, uh, any holiday shopping uh, online, go to otrwesterns.com slash Amazon before you start shopping at Amazon, and we'll actually get a small referral fee for that, and I do appreciate that. It doesn't cost anything extra for you guys, but it helps us out in the end. I think that's going to be it. Until tomorrow's show, have a great day, and we'll see you guys later.